Brick Moon Fiction presents Spectre of Crime by Kevin R. O'Hara, narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. Wait, you're what? June asked incredulously. I'm dead, a low-pitched woman's voice from her laptop answered calmly. Dead, dead? Like you've kicked the mortal coil and walked through the valley of the shadow of whatever the saying is? That kind of dead? June, a winsome Asian-American woman in her early thirties, flipped over the unusual device in her hands. It was a simple, white, plastic headband with metal sensor pads on the underside. Attached to it via several wires was a small black box of dials and exposed circuit boards. Another wire connected that to June's laptop. She checked each of the connections and then focused back on the screen. In a window, there was a pixelated image of what could have been a woman's face, though the details were vague and colorless. It looked back at her silently. How long have you been dead? June asked in a disconcerted tone. For many years. I don't know, though. You lose all sense of time when you're a ghost. Pardon my skepticism, but I'm thinking you somehow hacked this thing and are toying with me. It doesn't appear to have any wireless capability, which means maybe my laptop is compromised. Let's see. June tapped some buttons on her laptop to disable the internet connection, but the image remained on the screen. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please, please don't turn it off pleaded the voice. I haven't spoken to anyone in a really long time. It's been so lonely. How are you even hearing me? No one hears me. Not ever. Well, if what you're saying is true, somehow you're interfacing with this device. It's called a Dreamcatcher, or at least that's the codename MRI Innovation's R&D department gave it. It's supposed to be a prototype of a shortwave brain scanner, which I assumed was to translate images from the mind of a sleeping person to a computer. You know, record dreams. If I were marketing it, I would have called it Nightflix, personally. You didn't make it? The voice asked. No, June shook her head. I stole it. Who are you? Who are you and how did you find me? There was a long silence and then, My name is Michaela. It's pretty boring being a ghost. I sometimes follow people who seem interesting. I've seen you prowling around at night and figured you were a spy or something. Are you just some sort of thief? I'm a professional, not just a low-end cash grabber. I work in tech. Some companies have great ideas. Other companies want those ideas and pay me well to acquire them, June explained with pride. How do you manage that by yourself? Michaela asked. While most high-tech companies have state-of-the-art security for their new toys, it still all comes down to human fallibilities. I have a knack for figuring out which employee will be carting the object in question to a conference or off-site client, so it usually just comes down to a simple pickpocket or hotel room intrusion during their morning shower. The MRI Novation genius took the device home to show off to his friends before embarking on a trip to Japan. He probably didn't realize I replaced it for a small scalp massager until he arrived in Tokyo. How embarrassing for him. June gave a self-satisfied grin and then refocused. Enough about me. What's it like being a ghost, Michaela? Hard. Often I just exist in a haze of confusion. Sometimes I can get clarity and view the living world. I see people going about doing their things, but they never see me or hear me. If I focus really hard, I can disrupt things like small electronics, but that's about it. Sorry about your microwave yesterday. That was just me trying to get your attention. What? How did you know about my... Okay, go on then. Prove to me you're a ghost now. You want me to cause your microwave to start sparking again? 
No, if you can mess with electronics, then um, do something to my clock over there. The face disappeared from the screen, and a few seconds later, the digital alarm clock went dark and then restarted with a blinking 12 o'clock with a loud buzz. June's eyes widened, and she sat there with her mouth hanging open, trying to make sense of what she just witnessed. Finally, she asked, Can you walk through walls? The woman's blurred face returned to the laptop window, and she said, I can't really touch anything, so yes, I travel about pretty much wherever I want. Interesting, June said with a slight smile curling on the corner of her lips. I can go just about anywhere in the city, but once a year I'm forced to return back to where I died. It's messy then. I lose control and have to relive everything. It's like watching an old movie again and again, and not a traditional holiday comfort movie like It's a Wonderful Life or Die Hard, more like having to suffer through love actually on loop every year. I used to think having my time of the month was bad, but now my time of the year is so much worse. The ghost's voice betrayed a touch of humor, sounding less hollow than it had at the start of their conversation. June gave a chuckle and then cleared her throat hesitantly before asking, uh, How did you die? Michaela didn't answer. Silence hung in the room. June checked her laptop to ensure everything was still working. Michaela, what would make you happy? This? Talking to people? To know I still exist. Sartre said that hell is other people, but I think he was wrong. Hell is being around other people where no one knows or cares that you exist. June let that sink in and then gave a wide smile and announced, I have a proposition for you, Michaela. I can hook this device up to the internet. You could talk with anyone, as much as you wanted, and they wouldn't even know you were dead. In fact, I think I can hook you into a virtual reality social app, so you could even have a virtual body to interact with others. Okay? Yes, I would like that. And then her excitement drained from her voice, and she said, What do you want from me? You have talents that I could put to good use. I see a great partnership here. A great team, if I can get a muscle for us. Jimmy Bonnelly was a large man with short, cropped black hair, steely blue eyes, and oversized ears. On his neck was a black tattoo of a dagger behind a pocket watch with the unsubtle words, Killing Time, underneath it. Despite his rough appearance, his expression carried a perpetual boyish appeal. He checked around inside the construction site trailer to make sure he was alone, and then lifted a cardboard box onto the planning table and opened it. Inside was a generic-looking smartphone, a cheap virtual reality mobile headset, and a white envelope. The phone was vibrating with an incoming call. He placed it to his ear as he carefully scanned through the aluminum window blinds. "'You come recommended, Jimbone,' said June's digitally altered voice on the other end. "'Jimbone? We friends? Ain't sure how you knew to connect me, friend.' Jimmy responded in a gravelly voice. My talent is in acquiring information. I'm told your talents are getting into locked places and dealing with, let's just say, obstacles. That's what they say, huh? He responded carefully. I ain't cheap, you know. The envelope contains $750. It's yours. So is this burner and the other item in the box. After we do the job and unload the goods, you'll be seeing a percentage of the profit. At least 20 times that cash, guaranteed. Okay? Five thousand for one night of work, Jimmy asked. Fifteen thousand minimum, June responded with a contained annoyance at his mathematical ineptitude. But it will be more than one night. I want to do several nights of run-throughs so you have the plan and timing down. All right, 
and it's just you and me going in? No, I'll be running cover. My associate is an expert hacker. She'll deal with all of the electronic security and cameras. So I just gotta deal with the locks and taking out any guards. Jimmy opened the envelope and started counting the bills. Hopefully you won't have to take out anyone. I prefer there to be no violence. I don't want no violence neither, but if you know me like you say you do, then you know I ain't afraid to put someone down if I have to. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Theft is much easier to get away with than murder. Your call, just saying if some security guard gets in my way and can ID me, well, I don't hesitate. But I do clean up my messes good. Jimmy picked up the headset and examined it. What's this other thing in the box? Some sort of welding safety glasses? No, you attach the phone to the front of it. At 11 o'clock tonight, find a private space and put it on. It's called virtual reality and it'll be how we practice the job. That's supposed to impress me. Wow, I'm impressed, said the avatar of Jimmy. The virtual reality background was a brilliant star field featuring a gigantic planet Earth next to Jimmy, who appeared as a blue mannequin with two large cartoon eyes. His head spun around as he tried to take in the new experience. After a few moments, he noticed two other figures. They were similar in appearance, except one was purple with long, plastic-like, straight black hair, and the other was featureless and gray. The purple one spoke up. Hello, Jimbone. We spoke on the phone earlier. Nice to see you here. This is fucking amazing. I had never seen virtual reality before. It feels like I'm really in outer space. Shit. Jimmy's avatar head continued to swivel all about. June continued. I'd like to introduce you to my partner, M. She's the hacker I told you about. The gray avatar nodded her head. Michaela simply said, Charmed, I'm sure. This is really cool shit. Are we robbing a space station? Jimmy laughed. No, give me a moment, June said, and a few seconds later the expansive star field faded out and the lobby of an office building loaded in around them. Whoa, said Jimmy. I agree, whoa, said Michaela. I need to learn how to create stuff like this in VR. This place is the interior of Coratec Solutions, a contract innovation company that works with the auto industry. The idiots in charge made a fully three-dimensional virtual walkthrough of their facilities. I'm not sure if they were just playing with the VR tech or trying to impress their foreign offices. Either way, I got access to it and I've put it into a game engine so we can do some simulations around guard patterns and alternate escape routes. I'll teach you how to manipulate the data, M, so you can help with that. So we're going to play a video game to practice for the job? Like playing Grand Theft Auto to learn how to jack cars? Jimmy asked. Essentially, yes, replied June. Only this will probably be a little less exciting. I'm not programming in any combat or rock songs. What am I stealing? A hexagonal shiny tag no bigger than a quarter appeared out of thin air alongside a white computer case. This is our target. The disk is a prototype of a personal wireless transmitter that can connect to automated car-to-car -car mesh networks. Basically, self-driving cars talk to each other constantly about their position, speed, braking, etc. Cars can be aware nearly instantly of entire city traffic patterns and potential accidents. This little gizmo is for humans to get their own signature on the network. Being factored directly into the car-to-car -car communication grid is better than relying on individual car cameras and radar detectors. It'll be for pedestrians, bicycles, kids, pets. Okay, why do you want it? Jimmy asked. Two reasons. The first thing is I've got a thing for new tech. It's my passion. My uncle, my mentor, used to refer to me as the zeitgeist thief, 
because I successfully stole a model of a popular smartphone and separately a digital assistant home speaker before either were made public. I'm proud of that title, and I want to continue to live up to it. The second reason is there will likely be a huge market of paranoid people who fear self-driving cars accidentally running over them and their Bichon freezes. A competitor firm offered to pay $50,000 for this prototype and calibration hardware. I thought you said the job was for $15,000 before. That's your cut of it, moron, Michaela interjected. Oh, got it. And then after a moment, don't call me moron. Am I going to have to put up with attitude from her? Because so help me, and I don't care if she's a woman. Cool it, both of you. We have a long couple of nights of going through this scenario, and I can't have you at each other's throats. We're all professionals here, okay? Sorry, Michaela apologized. What are all our parts in the plan? At 10 p.m. on Friday, I'm going to sabotage the car of Don Leary. It will get double flat tires about eight minutes after leaving his home to go to his job as a security guard for Coratech. I'll be out of sight nearby jamming his cell phone, so he won't be able to call to tell them he'll be late. This will make the facility understaffed for about 15 minutes as the on-duty guard will be preoccupied with calling Don or trying to arrange for a last-minute replacement. Jimmy, you'll be at the back service entry. M will disable cameras and door alarms, giving you a short window to break in. No more than 30 seconds. No problem. As long as she can do her part, Jimmy said. Consider me a security specialist. Cameras and door alarms are easy, Michaela responded with a competitive tone. After that, M will scout the various avenues to get to the research lab on the third floor. As we won't have audio contact, she'll blink the lights to guide the way that is most devoid of people to keep you and them safe. She'll disable keycard readers on any internal doors, but you'll have to work them open. We'll practice each route several times, and I'll randomize guards, after-hours employees, and unexpected alarm scenarios. Once you're in the lab, simply grab the device and PC and repeat the process back out. Don't worry about being too tidy. With all of the tampering M will be doing, it will take them more than 30 minutes to figure out what happened. As long as you're out before then, you should be able to get away. Then, bring the device to the drop-off point, okay? I ain't dropping nothing off until I get paid. That's fine. I doubt you have the contacts to fetch anywhere near the price I can. You can hold on to it until I have secured the deal, which should be in under 72 hours. I gotta wait four days to get paid? 72 hours is only... Never mind. Where do we start? Asked Michaela. The 3D environment spun around to the back entrance of the building, showing a loading dock and a side door with a camera in a high corner over it. I've disabled Don's car and phone and given you the go-ahead on the burner. I'll start the timer... Now. On Friday night, Jimmy stood in the shadows 30 feet away from the real-world back door of Coratech. His phone flashed with a simple text message that read, Now. Jimmy looked around nervously, checking the side alley and the nearby parking lot for any observers. He gave it a moment and then started to walk forward. He stopped, his heart jumping, as the light over the back door blinked off and on again. Realizing this was the signal from Michaela, he double-stepped to the door and immediately went to work on overcoming the lock with a small set of tools. The door clicked and popped open. Jimmy held his breath for a moment, and when no alarm rang, he slipped inside and shut the door behind him. The small entryway had two doors, one to the first floor main hallway and the other to the staircase. Jimmy noticed a second black dome of a security camera watching the back door from the inside. He cursed himself for looking directly up at it and silently wished it was an old-fashioned camera with an obvious lens and blinking light so that he could know with certainty that M had disabled it. His hand went out to the door to the staircase when the light above the other door started blinking wildly for a moment. 
He gave a curse under his breath and changed course. He didn't like that he already had to deviate from the optimal route. The hallway was indeed empty and all the offices that lined the walls were dark. He quickly made his way to the far end and peered around the corner carefully. He knew from the virtual version of the building that the security office was halfway down the corridor from here and had a direct line of sight. Across from him was another staircase which was likely locked. He rocked back and forth, getting ready to sprint to it. The light near that door did not blink. After a few moments, he peered around the corner again and caught sight of a guard coming out of the security room. Jimmy ducked away quickly and prepared to run back to the exit. A few seconds later, he heard a loud sparking sound coming from around the corner and heard the guard say, What the hell? Goddamn coffee pot? The light above the staircase blinked on and off. Jimmy dashed across the hall and immediately started working on the door, noting that the guard was heading back into the security office. In a few seconds, he had it open and was through. He gently closed it behind him so it didn't make a latching noise. Without pausing, Jimmy bounded up, taking two to three steps at a time. He gripped the metal rails and used his strong arms to help pull himself up faster to the third floor. This door was not locked, and he slipped through it and headed through a couple maze-like hallways to get to the rooms labeled Project Peacock. Come on, come on, he panted while staring at the fluorescent light directly above the door. Then he started nervously hopping about and looking for side offices to dive into if needed. He noticed another black dome of a camera nearby and grimaced. What is taking you so long, he whispered. Those cameras better be off. He heard a noise from down the hall and pulled a gun from his pocket. He took aim at the stairway door and muttered, I swear to God, if you don't get this door open, I'm going to pop this guy. I've taken out security guards before. Sweat trickled down Jimmy's forehead as resolution set in. A slight click was heard from his right and the light above the door blinked. He jammed the gun back in his pocket and frantically worked the lock. In no time, the door was open and he ran in while automatic lights illuminated the large workroom. The walls were filled with diagrams, printouts, and marketing posters. One showed a happy person confidently walking their baby stroller through a busy intersection with wavy lines emanating over the stroller and cars alike. Below them read the tagline, Always be seen, always be safe. Another poster showed an empty car stopped before a person and displayed the words, Privacy insured. Driverless cars will know where you are, but not who you are. Several tables had parts strewn across them with tools and other equipment. As the area was not depicted in the virtual environment, Jimmy began tearing the place apart looking for the prototype. The room also had a camera in it, and Jimmy gave it the finger, sweat now pouring from his brow. Where the fuck is it? Jimmy said at normal volume. He continued to flip over bins and rip open cabinets. He paused when he thought he heard another noise, outside, and then noticed several of the hexagonal tags sitting in a foam-insulated briefcase in a locked display case on the far end of the room. Jimmy smashed the case open and grabbed the briefcase and nearby PC hard drive, tearing the wires, casing, and keyboard off in the process. He pulled out his gun again and listened at the door. Hearing nothing, he looked out and prepared to make a run for the staircase. He did a final scan around and noticed a blinking light at the other end of the hall leading to the original staircase that he avoided earlier. He gave a sigh of relief as that would take him a fraction of the time and completely avoid the security room. Halfway down the stairs, the building alarm went off. Jimmy lurched down the remaining stairs and burst out the back of the building. Just as he got to the edge of the empty back parking, he could hear police sirens in the distance. He broke into a full run and dove into his car a few blocks away. 
A moment later, he peeled out and sped off. A half hour and dozens of miles away, Jimmy pulled into a vacant parking lot and coasted to a stop in a dark corner. He took his hands off the wheel, laid his seat back, and tried to catch his breath. The burner phone buzzed. He picked it up and saw the text, put on the headset. He clumsily crammed the phone in it, put the device over his eyes, and found himself in a dark virtual reality environment, devoid of the starfield. Before him stood the featureless gray mannequin. What the fuck? How did you let that alarm go off? Jimmy's avatar shouted. I thought it went well, Michaela said. I got the thing and I got away, but that didn't go well, he continued to shout. It went much better than your job at the East Avenue Jewelers seven years ago. What are you talking about? That went flawlessly. And how do you know about that? At least no one died this time. The gray avatar's head cocked to one side. Nobody knows I killed that security guard. I got away with it, bitch. I knew. I was there. That's impossible. Nobody was there. It was just me. An image appeared taking up one entire wall of the virtual environment. It was a two-dimensional picture of an interior of a jewelry store. Jimmy's blue avatar looked around, still in a sitting position. The gray avatar was slowly replaced with a more detailed, three-dimensional woman. She was tall, stocky, and wore a blue security officer uniform. Her face, though still blurry and digitized, carried dark eyes and a horrific grin. What the fuck? screamed Jimmy with recognition. Why do you look like that? It was me. That's not possible. I killed that bitch. She's dead. You did. I am dead. And you are finally going to pay for it. That's not possible. I ain't going down for that, Jimmy said quietly this time. I disabled the doors and all but the last alarm. I scrambled the security monitors to buy you time, like I said I would. But I must have forgotten to turn off the actual cameras. On the other side of the room appeared a gigantic police all-points bulletin picture of Jimmy giving the finger to the security camera from the Project Peacock room. Shit! Jimmy squealed and then shook his head angrily. Well, they ain't gonna catch me. From outside the virtual world, sounds of multiple cars squealing to a stop with sirens blaring interrupted the scene. You stole what is effectively a tracking device, moron. Its one job is to alert networked cars of its location. I'm pretty sure that company knew exactly how to assist the police. Jimmy ripped off the VR headset and was blinded by blue and red flashing lights and a spotlight on his face. He could hear the police officers yelling for him to exit the car. He looked down at his gun, which sat on top of the briefcase in the passenger seat. I'm not angry that you set Jimmy up. I'm really not, given what you just said he did to you, the purple VR avatar of June said with her arms crossed. But this was my operation and you cost me a big opportunity. You could have disabled the tracker and found some other way to lead the police to him after I had our money. They needed to catch him red-handed. You don't understand. I didn't just want this. I needed it. The drive for revenge was stronger than me. I think it's part of the nature of my situation. I'm so sorry, June, Michaela's new avatar pleaded. But what about you being a security guard? You could have told me that. That bit of knowledge would have been an asset to me, June responded tersely. It was also a liability. You might have been hesitant to work with someone who chose a career in security. It's kind of the opposite of what you do. When I was alive, 
I really cared about stopping criminals. After years of being a ghost, I now have a different perspective. It doesn't matter as much in the grand scheme so long as no innocent people get hurt. They sat opposite each other in an open platform on the top of a high-definition depiction of a mountain, a layer that would make any virtual supervillain jealous. After several long moments, June finally spoke. Well, this explains why you were so insistent on me contracting Jimmy Bonnelly despite my better judgment. You should have let me in on your plan. And chance that you would say no? This may have been my only shot at that jerk, Michaela defended. June retorted, How am I to trust you in the future? Do I need to threaten you with shutting off access to the internet or smashing the dreamcatcher or ending your connection permanently? You could do that. But then I would have no choice but to haunt you. And I know you like electronics too much to have me constantly putting them on the fritz, Michaela countered, and then sighed. Look, I don't want to fight you. I'm sorry. I'll make it up to you now that I got this revenge thing taken care of. What I'm wondering is now that you've gotten revenge, why are you even still here? Aren't ghosts supposed to move on to the after-afterlife once they've dealt with their unfinished business? I don't know the rules. No one gave me a how-to-ghost book. My guess is that I'm bound here as long as Jimbone is alive. I was hoping he would try to take on the police. I didn't expect him to give up, and I certainly didn't expect him to confess to my murder so quickly. But I kind of like it here now. So I'm in no hurry to put that unfinished business thing to the test. I mean, I may go visit him in jail from time to time, though. You know. For fun. The Avatar of June gave an exasperated expression, and then stood up to look out over the mountainous view, well, given that I'm out a couple thousand dollars and your unique abilities make you a dream partner in crime, I'll forgive you. This time, June warned, and then her avatar displayed a wicked smile. Are you ready to start on our next job? I bet you're dying to know what I have planned to steal next. I'm going to fry your smartphone if it's going to be death jokes from here on out, partner. Kevin R. O'Hara enjoys employment as a creative director in the video game industry. He originally hails from Spencerport, New York, but promptly moved to the West Coast after graduating from Ithaca College's film school. He has worked various roles in the film and video game industry over the years, most of which involved creative writing and game design. He currently resides near Seattle, Washington, with his lovely wife, awe-inspiring daughter, and energetic Kieshand. Find him on Twitter at JoltedKev. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.